Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first lesson comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, and then continuing on in verses 20 through 24, beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my, my scattered sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. And continue on to verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson, our gospel reading, is taken from Matthew's gospel. We are in the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. Listen with fresh ears. To the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story is told. The story is told of a young boy who wants to go find God. So he puts on his backpack, his mom helps him, takes his two favorite foods, Twinkies and root beer, takes several cans, takes half the box of Twinkies that are left in the pantry closet, puts in his backpack and says, okay, mom, I'll see you, and goes. Well, he got about a block before he got to the park that's closest to his house. And as he's walking through the park, he sees an older lady who looks sad, lonely, just looking at the pigeons that are around in the park. So he decides to sit down. Doesn't say anything. Take his backpack off, zips it open, pulls out a Twinkie and offers it to her. Well, she smiles real big and takes it. Together, they share some Twinkies. So he then reaches into his backpack and pulls out a couple of cans of root beer, offers it to her. She smiles again, takes it from him. And for about an hour, they just sat. They didn't say a word to each other. They shared their meal of Twinkies and root beer. So at the end of the time, the boy says, uh, just decides it's time for him to go home. He packs up and, and walks home. And Right as he's about to leave the park, he runs around, comes back, and gives the older lady a big hug, and she has this great big smile. So then the boy finally goes home. And seeing that he seems happy and peppy, and his mom says, well, how far did you get? What, what, where did you spend your time the last hour? He said, Mom, I can't believe it. I met God in the park. She has an amazing and huge smile. And the woman goes home, lives with her son, and the son notices that she seems to be content when she was a little bit sad before in the day. He says, Mom, where, where have you been? He says, I went and I met God today, and he was a lot younger than I thought he would be. So those two, the child and the older adult, found God in one another 
in unlikely places. Today, we celebrate several things in the course of our worship. First of all, today is Christ the King Sunday. And in our church calendar, our lectionary um, and liturgical calendar, our year, if, if you're following alone, along at home, because I know you are, you'll notice that the colors change when significant events are happening. Today, our color is white to signify Christ the King Sunday. We're getting ready. Next week, we kick off Advent already. That will be purple or blue, some churches do, up until Christmas. Then we'll get back to green, which is what they call ordinary time. It's very inspiring. Then we'll hit Lent, and then Easter, that's generally purple and white on the high holy days. Pentecost, we get red at the end of May, early June. Then we'll get back to a sustained green, which is ordinary time. That is our basic church calendar. And that ends today for the old year with Christ the King Sunday, and our next liturgical year will begin next Sunday with the first Sunday of Advent. All right, we got that all set. So as we look at Christ today, we look at Christ as King. We know that Christ is our Messiah, our Christ, the anointed one, the one set aside to do what only Christ could do. And we also see it as a, a threefold office, kind of a basic job description for Christ. He is prophet, priest, and king. He is a prophet like the prophets in the Old Testament because he came to bring God's word to us, to reconcile us to God so that we would turn and come back home. Prophet. He is priest because if you remember in the Old Testament, the priests, one of their main jobs was to offer offerings, burnt offerings, animals to atone for the sins of their people. Obviously, Christ did that with his body on the cross and the resurrection. So that's prophet, priest, and then today, king. So what does it mean that he is a king? Well, today, Matthew tells us in this passage. He uses the word king several times, so it's a direct reference. Now, we're in Matthew 25. There's only 28 chapters in Matthew. The very next verse, next couple of verses in chapter 26, they start, the chief priests get together and start to make their plan to go and arrest and then crucify Christ. So these are the last words that Christ says to his disciples before he is taken and goes through what we call Passion Week, the betrayal, um, Thursday Last Supper, crucifixion, and finally the resurrection. So it's pretty important, this chapter 25. So king, why is Christ the king? Well, Matthew tells us that it's two kingdoms that currently we are struggling between. When Christ came and walked amongst us, he issued in this kingdom of God that we know is partly still with us. The spiritual realm is God's realm, is Christ's kingdom. But we also know of a second kingdom, and that is a kingdom of the world that has to do with sin and darkness and brokenness. And God made the world and called it good. It's not that all spiritual things are good and all earthly things are bad. That's not it at all. But we can all acknowledge that there is a lot of dark and evil in the world. We are reminded on a daily basis about those things that are awful and broken 
and sinful and dark. One day when Christ comes again for that second coming, he will redeem the broken parts of this world, the broken parts of us, and bring us all together to inherit his kingdom. So we have these two kingdoms. Christ is king of his. So we're still kind of also in the realm of the second coming. We talked a little bit about that last week in the 13th chapter of Mark. If you remember, we talked about Jesus walking with his disciples and they were outside of the amazing temple and he looked at them and said, one day all this is going to be gone, flat, destroyed. He said, look out for false messiahs, look out for political unrest, look out for natural disasters. All of that stuff is going to happen. It does not mean that it signifies that the end is near. He said, you are to continue to preach the gospel. So saying all these things are going to happen, that is not necessarily the end time. He says, the angels in heaven don't know. I don't know. Only my Father in heaven knows. So nobody else knows. And if you see big catastrophic things, do not think it's the end. You keep your head down and you continue to proclaim the gospel. So we are also this week and even next week, Week one of Advent, we're not to baby Jesus just yet. It is this dual, dual storyline of second coming and Christ coming, celebrating the first time that weave together next week. But today, the first couple of verses talk about that end time. What will that look like? Christ on his throne, again, this king image. All people, all nations, doesn't say some, doesn't say certain hemispheres, doesn't say certain continents will be before him. All people and all nations will be before him. And he will separate them, sheep and goats. Sheep and goats. Sheep were more advantageous. They were worth more in that day of shepherd culture. It's not that goats were bad necessarily, just that they weren't worth as much and they were more trouble to maintain. But certainly, in this reckoning, who do we want to be? We want to be a sheep, not a goat. Easy enough. I'll just be a sheep. I think the difficulty in this is the very real struggle of knowing that on certain days we are sheep and on certain days we are goats. And if this gives you cause to turn to the person next to you and call them an old goat, that is up to you. I am not endorsing such conversation. We live life in the gray. Sometimes black and white are clear, but we also know the constant struggle that we cannot always be righteous as God calls the sheep. And we also are not always sinful and always turn away from God, therefore being a goat. We know that the reality of life is that sometimes we are both, sometimes we are both at darn near the same time. So then the struggle comes with how do we know which way we are leaning? How do we know how to fit into that category of the righteous versus the unrighteous? Well, the whole rest of the passage tells us. 
We go through the litany of what we normally hear, and we don't usually pay attention to the first couple verses that talk about the gathering, the thrones, and the dividing of the sheep and the goats. We usually get to the serve one another. As you serve the least of these, you're serving me. And nothing wrong with that, except that it's in this apocalyptic context. Christ for sure is saying that to be my disciple is to love and care for others in my name. But the bigger picture is, and Matthew flirts with saying that the way to get into heaven is to do these things, for us to do them. He flirts with saying that grace isn't necessarily the way to enter God's kingdom. If we can do enough and care for enough people, then we earn our way in. No, we don't believe that. Grace is the way that we are given. We cannot earn enough. We cannot do enough hours serving others in enough places and times to earn our way into heaven. We come through faith. We come through grace in response to what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Well, how do you... How do we know then? Well, I always foresee this little conversation that when I meet Jesus and stand with him toe to toe, which I believe we all will, after our embrace, he will say, Danny, what a great life I gave you. First Presbyterian Church, what a joy. Aren't they great people? Absolutely. So tell me, what, what did you do with it? Well, I, I believe in you. You are my Lord and Savior, and I accept you as such. Hmm. Where's the indoor? Is it over, over here? Wait, hold on, Danny. How did you live that? What did that look like in your life? Well, I, I was converted. I had a conversion experience, Jesus. And I'm saying that I lift you up. You are my Lord and Savior. I am converted. I believe. I follow. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Well done. But how did you live that faith? Um, and again, that second piece, it isn't the way that we, it's not that we earn our way into God's kingdom. It is that we live as a response to the grace that we've been given. We don't live to earn our way into God's kingdom. It's just that that's what we do when we follow Jesus Christ. And Christ may very well say, look at all those people I put in your path every day, certainly every week. Which ones did you help? I know you can't help everybody. Some of them went, who, who did you help in my name? What did you do? And I hope we have some things to say. Because again, it is all based in this, that you will find Christ where? The older lady found it in the younger boy in the park and vice versa. Sometimes we're talking big fancy theological doctrines and we're talking end times and sin and grace and all that. Great preacher, what, what do I do? And then Matthew gives us the rest. Do this and you will find me. Bring food to the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, take care of the sick, 
visit the prisoner. There you will see me. And both are shocked, the sheep on the left and the goats on the right. Jesus leans to them after separating them and says to the righteous, good for you. Inherit my kingdom because you took care of me. And they said, what? Where, where were you? I didn't, I didn't see you. I was there when you took care of these people in need. I was there. And looks over to the unrighteous. What, what do you mean? If we had known that it was you, we would have taken care of you. Well, I was there in those who were in need. So difficult. So difficult. There is so much out there that are begging for y'all's attention. It can be overwhelming. There is so much to help. There is so much big and small. There are structures of poverty and hunger and disease and famine and war and education that need help along with so many other things. Sometimes it's easy just to throw your hands up in the air. So, I give you an example. Mother Teresa in Calcutta, one of the most poverty-ridden areas of this world when she was there serving. She unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess in her character, she never sought the limelight. She always sought to fly under the radar. She wasn't seeking position. She wasn't seeking material goods. She was seeking to be faithful, which she struggled with off and on. But when asked how she can live and work in this environment where so many are sick and dying, she says, it's not my job to take care of the masses. I love people one at a time. She says, I feed people one at a time. She died on the same day, September 5th, 1997, as Princess Diana's funeral. So her death was largely unnoticed by all of the world that was obsessed and caught up in what was a, really a worldwide event. But true to her nature, under the radar, she just went about her business and she transitioned home. I can't think of these big structures, she said, I love one at a time. And she said, if I didn't start with that one person, I never would have gotten to all 42,000. If I withheld my drop of work and love from that ocean, there would still be an ocean, but it would be a drop less. And so in the same way, Christ is calling us to do the same. We can't necessarily wipe out these big societal ills, although we should be involved with trying to do so. But what we do know is that God gives us every day opportunity, people in our path, that we can say, I will help you, Lord Jesus, or I won't. And we can't help everybody all the time, but we should be helping some people some of the time. How can you decide which side you're more on? Are you sheepy or are you goaty? See who you are helping. Ask yourself when the last time you went out of your comfort zone to help somebody in need. Because that is Christ. 
And often Christ's eyes look intoxicated or mentally ill or angry. I'm not saying it's easy, neither did Christ. But one thing I do say often is if you find yourself in a difficult place in your life for whatever reason, go and serve someone. It kind of cleans the slate. It puts things in perspective. And we know that that's where Christ will be found. Hopefully you find Christ in other places, this place. But we're told directly, when you go to help one another, there you will find Christ. And often we are the eyes of Christ that others in need seek. That's one of our jobs as church and disciples of Christ. But sometimes, and we know that often when we go to serve, we are transformed as well. I'll share a quick story that I heard right before the 845 service from Jeff Hunter, one of our facilities staff. He said, did you hear what happened on Friday? I said, no. I was out of town. Usually we communicate pretty well. What happened on Friday? He said, well, a gentleman came to the door, the outside, and, and we're Almost everybody was gone, a few staff members. Suzanne, amazing administrator, some of our facility staff, Jeff included, beeped and had a duffel bag, big army uh, military duffel bag, full size, full up. Looked a little ragged. And he said, I've come to pay my tithe. Okay. So Suzanne called down. We had a couple of facility staff said, there's a guy here to pay his tithe. And by the way, if you ever want to get into a church, no matter what church, you tell them you're there to pay their tithe. So clearly, we let him in. And he comes in, goes up to Suzanne's office, opens up his duffel bag, and the guys are there because, you, you know, we don't know this gentleman. We don't know what's in his bag. We don't know what's in his mind or his heart. Opens up his bag, takes out $150, gives it to Suzanne and say, I just needed to pay my tithe. And Suzanne said, are you, are, are you a member? Thank you. Are you a member of this church? No. I came through here 15 years ago and I needed to pay my tithe. Zipped up his bag and went on his business. Possibly somebody that we helped on the street at some point 15 years ago. Maybe there's some connection. I think we're still trying to figure that out. As I hear more about it, I'll, I'll give you more details. But he came to pay in cash his $150 tithe to God. It may not have mattered who we were. Maybe the, street, the church down the street, maybe it was just to God that this man felt like he needed to give of himself. And so I ask, although we sought to be the eyes of Christ for this person in need, that day, he was the eyes of Christ for that staff and those who were present. Because at one time or another, we too are all in need. Maybe not in the same way as some others, but sometimes. We all know the struggle of life. We all know that while there's always things to celebrate, there are always things that are tragic in our lives or those that we love or our challenges at the least. And so when we want to be sheeps rather than goats, we need to look at our lives 
and say, how have I helped Christ? Where have I seen the eyes of Christ lately? And if for you it has been more pulled away, if you are in a time of turning from God, Christ is right there to bring you home. The Ezekiel passage said as much that the shepherd will go after the sheep, Luke 15, the lost sheep. If you are the lost goat, that's all right. Christ is here seeking to bring you home. But know that it is natural to be a sheep sometimes and a goat sometimes. But we are being called to reevaluate and see where we can go see the eyes of Christ in those who need help. Sometimes we don't have to leave our family or our church or our schools or our place of business. God continuously gives us opportunities to love and serve others. But we need courage. Courage to step out and say, you know, I can't do it for everybody, but I'm going to give it a shot this time. Sometimes, often we get taken advantage of, but we know that we have done what we can as Christians. Sometimes our help is life-changing. Sometimes our relationship with others is life-changing for them and us. God is present. So as we acknowledge Christ as King on this Christ the King Sunday, we know that this is God's world and Christ is the King. The rulers of the negativity, the darkness, the despair, the brokenness has a hold of some of us, but not over God's hold. The darkness will never overtake the light. We will live in that in the Advent season. So know that today we are being called to celebrate the King, our King, Christ, and then to look at how we serve in his name. Let us all seek to be sheep, and when we find ourselves in goaty places, know that Christ is there to bring you home. When you get stuck in a rut, go and serve someone, and there you will find Christ and there they will see Christ in you. Hallelujah. Amen.